Thanks for joining us for another Family Life Today program brought to you Monday to Friday by Power to Change. I'm sure you'll hear something today that could give you a fresh perspective on your marriage or family situation. Be encouraged as we join Dave and Ann Wilson. So if you could go back and like see a scene in the Bible in front of you, like be there, which one would it be? Oh, you, you can't even ask that. No, you can't even do that. Okay, I top mean, five, top three. I'll, I think the Red Sea. Like who doesn't want to see the Red Sea parting? That's How pretty miraculous. How do I know you're going to start right and there? And then you have to like, I have to walk a day with Jesus. I'm Daniel in the lion's den. Joseph, I want to see Joseph with his brothers. Like that reunion. So many things. I mean, there's so many, but I think um, we often think the only way you see God is these big miraculous mm. moments. And True. I read about this question in a book and the author's sitting right across the <laughs> studio with us. Tim Muhoff is in the in the studio with us family life today. Tim, our good friend, welcome to Florida. Oh, it is great to be here. And I was laughing because what would be the reaction from your listeners if I said, Hey, I want to see the early church in Antioch build sanitation systems <laughs> to help fellow citizens, and maybe create roads. You oh. look at me like, you used your three wishes from a genie <laughs> on that? And like, nobody would pick that. And yet, the argument from the book, I used to see, is common grace, those daily things like sanitation systems, creation of roads, helping people in trouble, is as much God acting as the parting of the Red Sea, we just call that common grace, and we often take it for granted. Man, you went a long way in the introduction. <laughs> Bam, he goes right from... We love being with Tim. Done. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Tim, you always bring insight. I feel like every time you're with us, we all learn something. So even that, like, and like nobody's my... probably thought of that in their entire <laughs> lives. And, he's, sure and you're that. my bald-headed friend, I you know. know. Uh, let us and Detroit friends. Yeah, yeah. I, know. I mean, yeah. how many people are Detroit Lions, Detroit Red Wings, Detroit Tigers fans? And you live in California. I know. Professor of Communications at uh, Biola. Yep. You wrote a book that we actually mm. endorse, which I loved it when you sent it to us, The you know, the Me manuscript. Too. Eyes to see, recognizing God's common grace in an unsettled world. You jumped in right away to this definition of common grace, but I don't think I ever heard that phrase until I was in seminary. Mm. So help us understand what is common grace. So the psalmist says in Psalm 145, God is good to all. The all is how we get common grace. Mm -hmm. He isn't just good to Christians and not good to non-Christians. He's good to everybody. So we say common grace is that uh, the sun rises and sets for everybody. Thus, you can do farming. uh, You can navigate by the stars, medical inventions. Well, a bunch of them came from Mm non-Christians. So God is giving these good gifts to a world that has turned its back on God, but he never turned his back on us. So that's what we mean by common grace, common to both Christians and non-Christians. It's God's gifts to us. James puts it this way. He is the father of lights who gives good gifts. Now, many commentators think he's literally looking at the starry sky, Mm. seeing the plethora of stars and saying his good gifts are as many as the stars. So I think we can take great comfort in the fact that God is working today, both dramatically, I'm not discounting the overtly supernatural, but my life at least, it's more the subtle 
ways that he's operating in the background that I often don't recognize, nor do I give him praise for. So you're saying that God is doing this even though people don't believe in him, even though they are just scientists and saying Mm -hmm. it is man that has invented this. You're saying yes, but this is also God. And it doesn't matter if a scientist recognizes the origin of the idea, which we would say is God, every good gift. It's okay. God doesn't stop giving us good gifts because he knows that we need it. And today we need it more than ever Mm. because today, be it a a professor, think about what my students have seen. Two wars with Iraq, a war in Afghanistan, 9-11, a pandemic, and now Ukraine is filling our television sets. And I think as Christians, it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, we want to say God is good, Mm. loving, present. But then when I look at a world that sometimes feels like it's spinning out of control, I ask the question, well, where is God? Honestly, I first started thinking about this book. We have three boys, and one of my kids was at an elementary school, and they had this fundraiser where the art teacher takes pieces of art, and they auction the art off. So here's how it works. So And let's say that your daughter has a piece of art, and you know that my child has a piece of art. Well, you know I'm going to buy mine at the end of the day, so you're going to jack up the price. In the bidding, I'm pushing yours, and you're pushing mine, and we're laughing at the end of the day, right? So the theme was America. So you can imagine all the pieces of art, Hmm. baseball, apple pie, the American flag. And so we're all having fun jacking up the price. The very last one is the art teacher says, this comes from, I won't mention the child, my child's name, but from Emilhoff, turns it around and you could have heard a pin drop. It was a picture of an airplane flying into the Twin Towers. What? Whoa. And you had no idea? No idea whatsoever. So now what conversation do you have with your child in the van heading home? Right? Sam, how old was he? Oh, elementary school. Wow. Did, elementary you, school. did you buy it? Oh, of course, of course I bought it, right? It <laughs> Nobody so else was going to buy that one. $25? <laughs> you know, like, so then we had a conversation about it. Hmm. Like, hey, <laughs> so you could have drawn anything. Literally, this is what my child said. Yeah, I don't get it. You say God knows everything? I said, yeah, he does. Well, then did he know this was going to happen? And the answer is yes. God knew that. Then he said this. Why didn't he stop it? Mm-hmm. Every person's question. Every person around dinner tables everywhere. Now, listen, I think parents, we either have one or two reactions. One, we say, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. Let's forget about that. Yeah, let's avoid this horrible question because I don't know how to answer it. I, I'm ill-equipped. Yeah. Or we just send them all to the youth pastor. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this because I have college students I'm a professor who asked these questions, and we've got to have an answer of what do we expect God to look like when he intervenes? If it's always the thing that we mentioned at the beginning of the, of the show, right, the parting of the Red Sea, the rising of the dead, the blind receiving sight. The miraculous, yeah. The miraculous. Then, and by the way, those things happen. Yeah. But if that's what we think God always works, then I think we're going to be disappointed and he will be an underachiever if that's the measuring bar that we have. So this is where common grace is beautiful because it's happening 24-7. I mean, think of what we're doing right now. Hmm. Technologically, we can reach Hmm. a ton of people. When 
COVID hit, the university shut down for all of two days, and now we're all doing Zoom. Mm. Well, Zoom is absolutely a common grace that can now, we can continue our education, we can have family reunions all across the country. The isolation of COVID wasn't quite as isolating. And I would attribute all of that to God's common grace. The book is called Recognize, the subtitle Recognizing Common Grace. And I think that's where we need to adopt what C.S. Lewis said. The book's title is based on a quote of his. We need to develop the seeing eye to notice God's common grace on a daily basis. And I think that's what the book really tries to do. So how did you answer your son's question? Yeah, we're all like, You're in the car, you're driving home. I had been thinking about this book for a while, and I tried a version of it, of saying, well, God wants human partners, and unfortunately, sometimes people aren't good partners. People can choose what they do and it's for good or for bad, and God has just made the decision not to, every time a person is going to do something bad, he'll hit him with an electric shock. If you think about cheating on your taxes, I'm going to give you a zap that gets that thought out of your head. Well, at the end of the day, he's got a world that is compliant, but they're all like beaten dogs. Um, they're just afraid of him. That's why they're doing it, is they don't love God, they just don't want to get the zap. I said, listen, if that zap was in play, 9-11 never would have happened. Right? Because mm-hmm. as soon as the idea of it happening, God would have zapped that idea out of their minds. Well, I don't think God wants a world of beaten dogs. He wants people that freely choose to love him and that comes with risk. So after 9-11, look at all the things that happened. This was God helping the world come together to fight terrorism The bravery of EMS workers running right into a burning building, a building that had collapsed. This is all common grace. This is God spurring people on to help each other in the midst of tragedy. How did your son respond to that answer? All right, so this is going to hurt book sales. (laughs) She honestly said to me, no, I don't know if that works. Did he really? He did. He did. These are hard, scary, scary conversations. Yeah. But better to have them, messy ones, even just validating your child's doubts, even just validating you've asked a really hard question. Mom and I, I don't know if we have a great answer because we wrestle with that. Mm. So let me tell you where we're at right now. Me and your mom, here we go. Mm. And you just kind of put it out there. Now it's a process. And again, we all know the sex talk isn't one talk. Mm. It's talks. And so what you want to do is create the atmosphere in your house that this topic is not taboo. This topic is off limits. I quote a bunch of the psalmists who say, God, where were you? One psalmist says, God, wake up because things are happening and we just don't see you. Blaise Pascal, a brilliant Christ follower in the 1600s, said, the hiddenness of God is what every person has to wrestle with. It sure seems at times he's hidden. The purpose of this book is through using pop culture, medical inventions, historical biographies. We see God giving these aha moments. So Roger Van Eck, he's a creativity expert. He calls it a whack on the side of the head. Mm. That often when you're thinking about an issue 
you look at something unrelated and you get this creative whack on the side of the head. The one I use to illustrate that is Lenac was a French doctor who was having a really hard time listening to a heartbeat. And back then, they literally would take their ear, put it to the chest of a patient, and try to hear the irregularities of a heartbeat. Well, he had one patient that was kind of obese, and it just didn't work. So he goes off for lunch and notices some French kids have this long pipe, and they're whispering in one end, and they're trying to guess what's being said on the other end. And it sure seems like it's working. They're guessing pretty accurately. Lenek was like, oh, my goodness. So he literally walked back to his office, took a rolled-up newspaper, and tried it on his assistant. It worked. The basic workings of a stethoscope come from Lenek. And I think whether he acknowledges that or not, mm-hmm. I think that's a good gift coming from the Father of Heavenly Lights. To me, that's God saying, you're going to need medical interventions because the world's going to get more and more nasty. You're going to need this stethoscope. And then eventually you're going to need penicillin, antibiotics, and I'm willing to give you all of these. But you have to be a dance partner. You have to be willing to receive it. And that's one of the ways, to me, I now see God's fingerprints much more than I used to see about God's good gifts. And if James is right and it's good, it's God's gift. So to create this list is a really fun thing I have my students regularly do. Let's create a list of God's blessings and put those down. Well, if you're thinking about big miraculous things, that'll make it every once in a while. But the common things are are around us every single day. Well, I thought it was really interesting, even the book that you talked about, Noreen, your wife, and she had cancer. Mm -hmm. And how you were in the waiting room. Talk about that, of how what kind of went through your mind as you were in that waiting room. Yeah, so... All of us pray the cancer prayer. Right. All of us. We initially pray the cancer prayer, which is God, take away cancer. But one of my best friends uh, has been struggling with stage three colon cancer. Mm. So the initial prayer seemingly doesn't get answered is God didn't supernaturally take it away. We know other people that that's actually happened. But in this case, and it's so hard to reconcile. Oh, yeah. That. And that's brutally disappointing. Right. So now we're in the waiting room of a hospital with the test that's going to tell us, has it metastasized? Is it localized or has this thing spread? In other words, are we about to have the worst day of our life? And we're sitting there and I'm holding Noreen's hand. And I literally said, and it just struck me that I, I don't often reflect on this. I said, thank God for this hospital. And thank God for this machine. Think about this multi-million dollar machine run by a lab tech who hasn't seen the light of day in weeks and went to got a medical education to do this. And so we went down there. It was a full body scan. And then now we're going to know. And I said to Noreen, however this comes out, praise God for this machine because then we can fight it. Well, it came back that it was localized. And then another specialist who wasn't a Christian, by the way, did an operation, and now Noreen is cancer-free. But thank God for a diagnostic machine. Now, in a way, that's bittersweet, because it sure would have been cool for him to scan her entire body and walk back and say, I'm sorry, why did your doctor order this? Mm. Well, because she has cancer. Well, um, she doesn't. Now, that makes the parting of the Red Sea. That makes my greatest hits parade. But that wasn't the case for us. And for many listeners, that is just simply not the case. But so now you're making your list 
of God didn't do it that way, but let's look at the ways of his common grace that we are experiencing even now. Yeah, so let's have two lists. Yeah. I'd say three lists, and actually. One list is the overt miracles. I wake up tomorrow, I have hair. Okay? <laughs> overt miracle. And we all love the overt miracle. And I'm trash-talking Dave the next day. I know. I'm sending him a picture of me. My hair is blowing in the wind. And I just say, uh, God answers the prayers of righteous men. Okay, that would be my text to you. That's one list, and I'm not denying that list. The second list is God's common grace. Okay, so now Noreen has cancer, and we have a, a dedicated group of doctors, specialists, who now are absolutely pros, and that they know what to do, because we've now learned about cancer via common grace. Then I would add a third one, and I think this is the mistake we make as Americans. Often, my praise list is materially based. Hmm. Like, how's my career going? How's my uh, bank account? Are the kids healthy? You know, those kind of things, which is not to be minimized. But that ignores the spiritual blessings. Like, regardless of how my life is going, I've been forgiven of all my sins. Regardless if I'm getting promoted or not, I know that I'm a child of God. So I do think there needs to be that spiritual list mm. that can't be touched by circumstances. We can't ignore that. And again, I would say as parents, we can't ignore what your kids get on the Internet 24-7. It's like you can't lock the technological liquor cabinet. Mm. And now, listen, obviously, when they're young, we have very general conversations with them. But I'm saying you hit high school, college. These students are sitting there going, man, I don't see God acting. I don't see him in answering my prayers in ways that I want him. So I always say to him, well, what was your prayer? And let's talk about maybe how common grace could be at play. But then also let's recognize that we all get disappointed in our prayer life every once in a while. And there's things that I want to have happen. And they just haven't happened. That's okay. The psalmist gave us permission to periodically say, God, where are you? And that is scripture, and we are allowed to emulate the psalmist. I think it's important, too, to allow our kids to sit in that a little bit, because I'm just hearing this out of my failure. Because when my kids would voice a complaint or a doubt or a skepticism, I would find myself jumping to, but God, Mm, you know, mm, but God mm -hmm. and his common grace and his goodness and And I didn't let them sit in the question sometimes and even pull out what you're feeling and then gently go over to, are there any other ways that you've seen him do things or work? Does that make sense? Totally. So I recommend my students once in their life, they have to read one book. It's C.S. Lewis's A Grief Observed. Mm. Because, you know, he got married late in his life to Joy and then Joy has cancer. Uh, He prays for a miracle. And again, this is a man who wrote a book on miracles. Mm. And she goes into remission. He believes she's cured. This is it. This is the parting of the sea. Right? And and he's praising God. Well, she goes out of remission very quickly and dies. He then writes A Grief Observed, where the classic line is you go to God when you need him the most and you knock on his door and there is silence, and not just silence, but a double bolting on the inside. Mm. You might as well be alone. Mm. Biographers of Lewis have said he never publicly defended his faith again after the death of his wife. 
Now, he never left the faith. And if the end of the story with the grief observed, he never stopped believing in God. He wondered if God was good. Hmm. And so at the end, he does come out of it. But Anne, let kids wrestle with all of it before we get to the end. Hmm. And if C.S. Lewis struggles like that, that gives me permission to struggle like that. By the way, when he originally wrote the book, it was a series of notes to himself. His lifetime publisher, friend, said, Jack, you got to publish this. You have to. And he said, no, 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 it's too personal. I, I just won't do it. Mm. Well, f- thank goodness this guy kept pressing him. So he finally published it. The original edition was written in a different name. It wasn't C.S. Lewis's name. Now, here's a really cool part of the story. When he died and they went into his study, there were stacks of the book with his different name and in it were things written, uh, Mr. Lewis, I know your wife died. I read this book. I think it could really help you. I'm sending it to you. No So way. people sent him his own book. How beautiful is that? Uh, but to me, when Lewis can suffer like that, uh, it gives me permission. And he's quoted throughout this book, Eyes to See, all over the place. But we need to allow our kids to verbalize these doubts. Otherwise, they're taking it underground. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even if you have imperfect answers, like, honey, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. Well, and I also think it's good for them to hear us verbalize Mm. our doubts. Yeah. Like, like I have the same question. I've struggled with this, and I've resolved it, and yet I still get triggered and sometimes still struggle. It's okay to struggle. But there is a God. Mm. He is alive. He is at work. It's sometimes hidden, but... Underneath all this, I'm still holding on to a faith that sometimes I can't even feel. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as Power to Change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to learn how to use marriage to transform your community? Consider joining with us to help build marriage ministry movements where lives are transformed through the gospel. For more information or to get started today, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website under helping couples at families.powertochange.org.au We hope you can join us tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today. Today.